All right. Well, I'm going to begin with, for those of you who've seen it before, it may be a little bit anticlimactic, but I'm going to start with my famous magic trick, okay? We're going to put red letters up on the board with some black paint, all right? I'll start with an easy one here. You're probably ready for this one. Ah, see, I heard someone say it already. All right, that's right. So the kids can read my magic letters here. Hopefully you adults can do the same. All right, Christmas. That's the season we celebrate, right? And more than that, you know, you ask people, what is so special about Christmas? I'm talking about asking somebody. Maybe I should ask somebody, what's so special about Christmas to you? Jesus. Jesus. Excellent. Excellent. What, what else is special about Christmas? Presents? Presents? Uh-huh. What, what were you going to say? Presents. You were going to say presents. You must be related to her. <laughs> I think you are. All right. What else is special about Christmas? That's right. God. God came to earth. But, you know, most people will say what we just heard, and it has to do with gifts, right? People like getting gifts because it makes us feel special, right? Someone was thinking of us, and they took the time whether to make or to buy us a present, and they either went to the store, got the materials, whatever it was, but they actually put something together that they delivered to us in the form of a gift. And you know, the, the tradition of giving gifts is very old. Very old, right? When you consider Christmas, you know, the story includes some wise men who came. And they brought with them gifts in order to give the baby Jesus when he came into the world. And so they were excited about Jesus coming, and they brought him gifts. And so when we celebrate Jesus and his coming into the world, we often give gifts. But you realize that really wasn't the first Christmas gift. Because the Bible tells us in John 3.16 that because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did it so that whoever believes in him will not perish, won't die in their sins, but have everlasting life. And so what I want to talk to you about a little bit in our time together tonight is the Christmas gift, right? I hope that for those of you who maybe have already put up a little Christmas tree in your house, maybe you've already seen some presents starting to somehow appear under the tree, that, that you'll enjoy those gifts. But more than all that, my hope and my prayer is that each and every person here this evening will make sure that they have received the Christmas gift, because that is Jesus Christ himself. Because God so loved you and he so loved me that he gave Jesus to the world so that he could save us from our sin. Well, you know, considering Jesus, if he really is the Christmas gift, I was thinking about what can we remember about him while we remember this Christmas season and the Christmas gift that he gave. I'm going to draw a picture that I think you will recognize that will help us to consider the greatness of this Christmas gift that we're going to talk about tonight, right? 
Let me see if you can figure out, I'm not the best artist in the world here, but I'm gonna do my best to see if you can figure out what it is that I'm trying to draw in my gift box here this evening. Did someone say a question mark? I think I heard it, a candy cane. That's right, that's right. Now, you know, I don't know whether it's true or not, but there's a little story about a certain candy maker who knew Jesus as his savior. He was a Christian. He realized that he was a sinner and he realized that there's no way he could get to heaven. And and so he put his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ himself and was a true, according to the Bible, Christian. And he, as a candy maker, said, what can I do at Christmas to be able to tell the people who come into my shop about the important gift at Christmas? And so he was thinking and thinking, think, 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 think. And he came up with an idea. He said, if I want to make something to remind people of Jesus, I should make something that is sweet. So that people, when they eat my candy, they will be happy. Now, I remember getting a piece of taffy one time. And I thought it was going to be sweet. Now, my brother always liked the sour apple flavors, and some of my kids liked some of those sour patch candies and stuff, but it didn't agree with my tongue because it wasn't sweet. It was bitter. But when the candy maker decided to make a candy, he could have made something bitter, but he said, no, if I am going to want people to think about Jesus when they eat this candy, it's going to have to be sweet. Because the Bible says in Psalm 34, verse 8, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And so I don't want people going, yuck. I want people to think he's sweet. And so he decided, I'm going to make a candy that is sweet. Now, when you eat a candy cane, is it sweet? Okay, just checking. All right. Well, you must not be eating my candy canes because the ones I get are sweet. All right. So he said, first of all, I want my candy cane to be sweet. There you go. Because the Lord is good. The Lord is sweet to the taste. He says, taste and see. If you get to know the Lord, you will realize he is good all the time. And it should bring a smile to our faces. Well, then he said, let's see. Hmm, there's lots of different kinds of candies, and lots of them are sweet, so there must be something else I can do to make them think of Jesus. And then he said, I know. Right? I want a candy that will be pure and white. You know, some candies are different colors. Some candies are orange. We see them at Halloween time. There's orange candies and, and, and yellow candies. And he, but, but he said, when I make one about Jesus, I want it to be white. Because the Bible tells me this, that when God looks at my heart and he sees how dirty it is and he wants to clean it, he says that even if it was stained with a permanent stain that won't come out, he wants to wash it white as snow. The Bible says that the only people who can go before God have to have clean hands and a pure heart. And the Bible says that's the kind of person that Jesus is and was because he didn't have any sin. He's not, he was like me because he was human, but he's not like me because he had no sin. I have sin in my heart. My heart's not clean and pure on its own. But Jesus' heart is pure. 
And that's why God could send him to be our savior because he had no sin of his own. He could save us from sin because he didn't have any sin of his own. And so he said, okay, if I'm going to make a candy to remind us of Jesus, I want it to be sweet. And I want it to be pure and white, just like Jesus. Very good. Well, you know, again, there's different kinds of candies. Some of them are sweet and some of them are white, but what else can I do to make people think of Jesus? Ah, I know. <clears throat> I'll make it not a triangle. Let's see. This triangle's here because it's going to remind us of places we don't see in Florida. Okay? We don't see mountains in Florida, do we? We go to the beach and we see... But see, if you go look in other states where they've got pine trees and hills and those hills get bigger and bigger to the mountains. The Bible says, I look up to the mountains from where my help comes from. It's from the Lord. And in Psalm 18, it says that the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, a place I can go for safety. And you know, people used to go when they heard the enemies coming, they would run up into the mountains because they could hide there. It was a place of safety because it was high up and a strong place to hide. And Jesus is our rock and salvation, our place of safety. Well, you say, Mr. Dave, you're talking about saving us and safety. And well, I don't quite understand why, why there's such a big deal. We need to be afraid and run for safety. Well, I'm glad that you asked that question about why we're talking about that, because the Bible tells us. See, the Bible tells us that when God, well, we got to start with God. So... Now, we can't see him, but is God here? Yes, he is, right? So. You couldn't see that on my page either, could you? But it was there. And, you know, there is a place outside of this world where God lives, and he decided to make this world, and when he did, he put people on it. People just like just like you and me right and so he brought you and me he brought mankind into the world and he put us in this wonderful beautiful place and god would come down and talk with adam and eve and he would spend time with them in the garden and they had a wonderful time they knew how sweet god was they knew how pure he was they knew how strong he was and yet Something terrible happened. The Bible says that something happened one day that created a separation between man and God. And I think you know what it is. You probably talked about it here in our Sunday school classes, right? The Bible calls that little word sin. The things that we do that, that makes God sad, that makes him angry because we disobeyed him. We rebelled against them. Do your parents like it when you disobey them? No. no. Right? Well, God doesn't like it when people disobeyed his laws either. And so he was very sad, but he was also angry because now this sin had separated God from these people that he loved. And so God said, I'm going to do something. I have to find a way to cancel out that sin. And the way he did it is that somebody had to die. Now, in the beginning, 
God let them bring animals, animals that didn't do any wrong. But when they died, they paid the penalty. They took the, like sometimes if you get spankings from your mom and dad, wouldn't it be nice if someone else took the spankings for you? Yeah. I don't see many volunteers in the room, right? But <clears throat> it would be nice if someone took your place. Just like if you owed lots of money, wouldn't it be nice if someone came along who had even more money and said, I'm willing to pay that debt for you? Wouldn't that be nice? Well, that is what God did for us. He said, I see this penalty that you owe because of your sin, that sin that separates you from God. And he said, I'm going to send Jesus into the world to pay that penalty. That's why we need to be saved, because the Bible says, if we don't have that problem taken care of, we're not going to go to heaven to live with God. We're staying separated from him forever and ever and ever. And the Bible talks about that hot, hot place, the lake of fire. And God doesn't want anyone to go there. He doesn't want any of the moms and dads to go there. And so he said, I want to save them from that. And so he sent Jesus as a present, a gift to help us. And that's why the Bible says the next thing, as our candy maker was thinking about this, yes, Jesus is strong because he's God who came to be a man. He's sweet because he loves us and he cares about us and he's pure. So he can do something about that sin. But when he came into the world, what's the first thing when someone has a baby that people want to know? Bethany, what do people ask when someone has a baby? Oh, I heard someone say, is it a, a boy or a girl? That's one of the first questions. And then what's the next question? Who said that? What's it? What's its name? What's its name? Well, when Jesus was born into the world, they had to give him a name. Well, you know, the candy maker said, how are the people going to think of Jesus when they eat my candy? He said, I'm going to make it in the shape of a J. So when they see it, they can think about Jesus' very name, Jesus, because it was a special name. The Bible says that Jesus means Jehovah or God saved. He was God coming to earth as a present with that very purpose to save us. And so that, they gave him the name that would tell us that. Well, you know, if you take that J and turn it upside down, there's no letter. <laughs> it looks like that, right? But, you know, it looks kind of like a shepherd's crook. And so the, the candy makers said, well, you know, if I turn it this way, it looks like a J. Remind me of Jesus. If I turn it the other way, well... The Bible says that God is the great shepherd who looks out over his flock and knows when, when his sheep run away. And the Bible says that you and me are like sheep. We've run away from God. We've run away from him to try to get out from under his control. But because he loves us like a good shepherd. You know, I've always marveled over King David. You know, I grew up in the city if you can call the suburbs of like Hollywood and Pembroke Pines a city. You know, I go to New York and then I say, okay, this is a city, all right? <clears throat> I grew up in the suburbs, but my cousin used to call us city slickers. And because um, he grew up in Georgia in the woods and all that stuff. And, and uh, we didn't know what we were doing out there. So anyways, oh, <laughs> I was wondering why I was telling you that. When David was watching his father's sheep and they ran away, and he realized that they were in danger. He would go after them. But sometimes he realized that sheep is not here because a bear has him in his mouth. 
Or one time, even a lion had him in his mouth. And I think if I was hunting for my sheep and saw a lion, <laughs> that is a terrible thing happened. I might go the other way. But not David and not Jesus. Jesus looked out at people, and the Bible says when he looked out and saw them like sheep without a shepherd, separated from the God who loves them, no way to get back. Someone worse than a bear, worse than a lion. The Bible says that the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and he's looking for people like you and me. But when Jesus saw the danger that we were in because of sin brought upon us by the tricks of the devil himself, he didn't run. He came after us. And that's why Jesus came into the world, because he's the good shepherd. And he doesn't just let us go. He loved us that much, that he put himself in harm's way. You know, when someone sees a subway or a train or a bus coming and someone falls down in the street and they dive out and rescue them, putting their own life in danger, we call them a hero. Unfortunately, not many people are calling Jesus a hero today. But he is. Because he didn't just risk his life, he gave his life, he died. And that's why the other part that the candy maker made, how it reminds us of Jesus, is because when Jesus grew up, in order for him to finish the job as a shepherd at saving his lost sheep, people like you and for me, the Bible says that he had to die on a cross. And you know, when he was on that cross, the Bible says that he poured out his blood. And you know, if you lose all your blood, what happens to you? You die. He allowed himself to die, shedding his blood on that cross so that he could save us. And so when the candy maker decided to make his candy sweet and pure white and hard, if you get a candy cane, I know it's hard. Don't keep licking it to a point and poking your brother and sister, okay? That's not the point of your shepherd's crook. But he said, I'm going to put some stripes on there to remind me of the blood that Jesus shed on the cross that he, that he, he shed to, to, to save me. But you know, there's more. It wasn't just that he died. The Bible also says that before they put him on the cross, they took a whip. They called it scourging. And they tied little pieces of glass and bone. I don't think they had glass, but bone, sharp objects into the leather. And when they would whip somebody, those little sharp pieces would stick in their skin and then they'd pull it off and it would just tear them open. And they whipped him 39 times because they said 40 would, would kill somebody. So they stopped just short of killing him there. They wanted to get him on the cross. But you know, the Bible says it was by his stripes that we're healed. Not every candy cane I've bought has them. But many of them will have those small stripes along with the big ones to remind us that people didn't just let Jesus die. They beat him and whipped him and spit on him and punched him and put a crown of thorns on his head. And then they nailed him to the cross. But as terrible as that is, boys and girls, men and women, all the movies that we watch that try to show what happened on the cross they all fall short because here's where they have to stop. Because the Bible tells us that when man was through with him and they whipped him and they put him on the tree and they did all those nasty things to him, it says that the sun grew dark. And for three hours, God was judging our sin in his son. 
We couldn't see that. But the very Son of God, who had lived happily with God in heaven, his Father, for eternity past, suddenly he cried out when he was there, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your back on me? I haven't sinned. I have a pure heart. But he wasn't there for his sin. He was there for your sin and for mine. In his last words, when he got done, all the judgment and the punishment of God on our sin, when it was finally all the sin of every person who ever lived in the past and whoever is living today and whoever will live in the future, all their sin was punished on Jesus. And finally, his last words were, it is finished, paid in full. All the payment necessary to cover all the sin of anyone who ever lived was paid in full and finished. Nothing left to pay the price. And so he died. But you know, he didn't stay dead. We celebrated Easter time that after he died on the cross, the Bible says that three days later, he came back from the grave and he rose again and went back to heaven. And he basically proved to us that God said, it is finished being paid. Death couldn't keep him in the ground anymore because he had no sin. There was no more penalty for sin left. He came right back out. And now the Bible says this. Yes, he came into the world and the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and they didn't receive him. But as many as receive him, to them he gives the right, the privilege to become children of God. Did you catch that? As many as receive him. Now, you know, wouldn't it be kind of silly if you looked at that present under the Christmas tree and it had your name on it? Somebody went through all the trouble of getting or making that present and they put it in that nice, pretty wrapping and they put it under the tree and they put your name on it. And imagine if Christmas morning comes and you see it there but you don't open it. Next day comes, and people, hey, aren't you going to open that present? I know it's mine. I, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Day comes. Days go. Weeks come. Weeks go. And you never open the gift. Does that make any sense? But you know, the Bible says that when Jesus was given as a gift to the world, and he went through all the trouble of paying the price to make that present yours, of having your sin forgiven and live forever with God in heaven. Have a, a friendship with him that starts right now, the day you accept Jesus as your Savior. And, and that's a present just for you, already paid for by God, paid in full. And yet people say, not today. Ah, I don't need that. I've got my own religion. I've got my own plan on how to fix my problems. And they never receive the present. You know, I did that once. There was something of my grandma's that I really, really liked. It was actually a car. And I loved cars. It was a hot rod. Or at least a hot rod waiting to happen. <laughs> and... One day, my grandma came while I was in college and brought the keys to my mom and said, I just want Dave to have this car. I know how much he likes it, and uh, we're not really driving anymore, so I want Dave to have this car. Well, I had my little 
Toyota <clears throat> Corolla that wasn't in the best condition, but it got me from A to B. And, and, and I was going to college at the time, and I didn't have a whole lot of money. And so I knew that the car was there. I knew that Grandma had given the keys to my mom so that it could be mine. But it was the better part of a year before I realized, you know, my little Toyota's got some, some transmission problems, and it's not going to keep doing what I need it to do. So finally I went to my mom, and I said, I, I think I'd like to, to take Grandma's car. She gave me the keys, signed over the title, and it was mine. And I thought to myself, here was the very thing I wanted so badly, and then when I had the opportunity, I didn't take it. I never received the gift and made it my own. And you know, if I'd have died, it never would have been mine. But that's just a silly car. Who cares about a car in the grand scheme of life? But you see, what we're talking about is not a car. It's forever. Where we're going to live forever. The Bible says your soul will never die. It's, gonna live, it's going to exist somewhere. And it'll either be eternal life with God in heaven, which can start right now, or eternal death. And he gives us a choice. Will you receive God's gift? of eternal life through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Better yet, have you received God's gift of eternal life through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ? He's already given it. It's already as much as has your name on it. And it's available. But my friends, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. Don't be like me. I waited so long. Almost missed the chance, right? But this is, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. It could be the best Christmas for you ever. You know, when my grandpa was 89, my family, everyone else had gone to Georgia to visit family, and I had to work, and so I stayed home with my grandfather. And this was the year that he had found out that he had cancer, and he was not going to, there was no cure. It was through his whole body. He was just waiting. But, you know, he realized, I'm going to have to face death, and I'm not ready. And although he'd heard about Jesus for years and never put his trust in Christ, he called up my dad one day, and he said, tell me again how I can receive Jesus as my Savior. I need to do it. And at 89, he put his trust in Jesus Christ as his Savior. And, you know, <laughs> I'm still not a very good cook. But I really wasn't then. And it was just Grandpa and me, home with a quiet Christmas together, his first Christmas as a Christian. I don't even think we had a tree. But we had a sweet time remembering Jesus, who finally was his. And you know, my grandpa's not here anymore, but I know where he is. He's gone to be with Jesus. And one of the things he would say to me over and over again is, I just can't believe that he really would still forgive me. All the years I neglected him, I would curse and swear and get angry at those who tried to tell me about him, but he still loved me enough to save me. And you know, he loves you enough to save you. It's the very reason he came. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and it's the only kind of person there is. We're all sinners who need a savior. Have you received the Christmas gift that God's given for you? You could do it tonight, right where you sit. Let's pray. Lord, 
I just want to say thank you for Jesus. Thank you for loving us enough to like a good shepherd to come after me, a sinner who doesn't deserve your kindness and your love, but that's why it's a gift is because it's not about us. You loved us and you gave the gift. Lord, it's my prayer that every single person in this room would receive that Christmas gift for themselves. That they would realize that that baby born in the manger, he grew up and he became a man still with a pure heart and willing and able and actually did die to pay the penalty of our sin. And now as he lives again in heaven with you, offering that same gift, Lord, if there's anyone here tonight who would say in their own heart, I'm a sinner. And I realize that my sin has separated me from God, but I want to receive his gift. I want Jesus' death on the cross to be the very uh, uh, payment of my penalty and wash my sin clean and make me his child. Lord, I just pray that if that's the, the thought in someone's heart tonight, that they would just cry out to you and trust in you and receive that gift. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, here's my closing thoughts for all of you here tonight. Number one, if you have never received the gift of Jesus Christ, or maybe you just a minute ago decided you wanted to, I would invite you to come talk to me or somebody that you know and you know cares about you and, and talk to them about how you can know for sure that you know that, that you've received his gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. 